It is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. We are reunited and it feels so good here on Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan along for the ride as well. Quick shout out to Jerry Blevins for filling in so well as he always does last week. Thank you, Jerry, as you are on your way to Port St. Lucie to cover the New York Metropolitans. Uh, Ploofy, we missed you this weekend in St. Lucia, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Definitely had FOMO. I saw all the great pictures. And then I talked to Kelsey a little bit. She texted me a video of Jake just doing some ridiculous things on the dance yeah. floor on the boat. And mm-hmm. she said she's kind of happy I wasn't there because it was it was crazy. She said if I would have been there, it would have been a SHIT show. So I kind of agree with that. I'm happy I stayed back. Love you, Jake. Love you, Jess. Yeah, we, we all had a great time. We certainly missed you. We uh, tipped a glass to you. Uh, we did not make it for the boat ride. We had to start our 19-hour excursion home. No joke. It took us 19 hours to get from the hotel doors to our uh, door in um, Los Angeles at 2.30 in the morning on Monday. So there we go. Jake, Jess, we love you. It was a ton of fun. But we also love talking baseball. We got a lot of stuff to get through and a lot of sound. So let's start off with Manny Machado. And after months of speculation, he finally said what we all presumed is that he plans on opting out after the fifth of his original 10-year deal where he signed with the Padres. Apparently, they're about $150 million apart on what the Padres are willing to offer and what Machado is seeking. That's according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Here's Manny. Business is business. Business is business. There's, there's no hard feelings. You know, we're going to go move forward and um, you know, I'm going to go out there and play baseball, perform, and that's my job, and that's my duty. And, um, you know, like I've always said, it's, 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 about, it's about the fans going out there and performing and bringing the championship to the city. Uh, Ploofy, does it feel like this could be a big story the entire season and perhaps distract San Diego from its ultimate goal? No, I mean, I don't think so at all. I, I, I assume this was presumed all over San Diego that Manny would be opting out after this year, especially after the flurry of spending we've seen. A guy is getting all these contracts into their 40s. He's 30 years old this year, turning 31. So this is what I always talk about. When a player has leverage, sometimes fans don't like it because they'll talk like, you know, businessmen like, man, you just did. But you have to remember, we rarely ever get this type of leverage. And right now he has all of it, Chris, because worst case scenario for Manny, he's got five years, $150 million coming his way. If he goes out and has another great season, does what he says and opts out, well, yeah, shoot for the stars, bro. I think he was asking for 10 years, $400 million. That's what That's what he's setting the price at. I don't know if he's going to get that, but when you do have this leverage, you go ahead and put your price tag that high and you know fall a little bit short of it uh, in the offseason. I, I bet he would love to be back in San Diego. He seems like he's having a great time there, but this is a guy who's going to get wined and dined. Remember, we everyone thought he was going to go to the White Sox uh, when he was a free agent mm-hmm. last time, and then he just picked San Diego. Kind of out of nowhere. So he is a guy that is going to do what's best for him and his family. Uh, that might be back in San Diego. It might be somewhere else. But I am. it's kind of refreshing to me, actually, to hear someone come out and just say, no, I'm going to opt out. It, business is business. I'm going to be here, do what I do best. That's play baseball. And we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, to me, for people that are listening only, go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. Because did you see the smirk on his face? Yeah, yes, I did. Right. So that was, I thought, fascinating a little bit. Like he knows something that a lot of other people do not. And um, he's one of very few guys that could do this easily. They could say, yeah, I'm good. You can have your 150 mil and I'm going to go. Like, Just think for a second how ballsy that is. We all took it as 
Yeah, of course he's going to go do this. But to actually say, I am walking away from $30 million a year, that's almost certifiably insane, to be honest with you. But for him, it's not. And by the way, Padres fans, I know that you might be freaking out a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that he doesn't want to come back. I think he's yeah. actually had kind of a career resurrection, not ballplayer-wise. He's always been elite. But I think that in terms of his makeup and the perception of Manny Machado, I think we look at him differently now than we did whether he was with the Orioles or the Dodgers. Do you agree with that? A little bit. I mean, it. I think it has to do with what San Diego's done around him too, and what like the mm-hmm. fan base Possibly. and everything. You know, like he's he's come in there at the perfect time. But he was kind of like the first the the first person to go there and and start what they have now. Like he was the cornerstone of that, and they said that at the time, and they had to convince him to come to San Diego. And I got to be honest with you, they did what they said they were going to do. They surrounded mm-hmm. him with you're real right. deal talent, world series contenders. And you know what, Manny's got to be happy. That's so what you're right. Chris, this doesn't mean he's 100% leaving San Diego. This is just him stating the obvious. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think it's going to be a distraction. Just to answer my own question very quickly. And in four years in San Diego, he has been elite. We know about the, the gold glove uh, type play that he's had over at third, but he's averaged in his four years there in 855 OPS 27 homers a season and that included a 60 game shortened season most importantly he's posted as he has throughout his career he's played 95 percent of his games that he's been eligible for out there in San Diego let's move on to Mets owner Steve Cohn who held court Monday in Port St. Lucie he has been criticized for several things whether it's reports by other owners by other fan bases or whatever it is for a bulbous payroll uh, for being active on social media and for being a little too cozy with his players. Here's his answer on that last thing. You know, other people have said, eh, you shouldn't get that close to the players. And, uh, you know, I would do it differently. And I don't agree with that. Um, I think there's, I think it's important to have a personal touch. Uh, I think that matters. It shows you care. And, you know, my wife feels the same way. And so it's just the way we are. And I'm going to do it my way. So, uh, and it works for me. It's worked in the past, and I'm going to keep doing it. Can being too close to players actually backfire on ownership? I don't think so at all. In, in fact, I, I loved when the poll ads would come around and, you know, we'd go to dinner with them and, and have that relationship. It made me feel like it was, you know, not just some business transaction type of relationship. It felt personal. And that I, I love Minnesota because of it. I'm still friends with the poll ads because of it. Uh, so for for Steve to go out and say that and be the way that he is with the players, I think that's made the Mets one of the premier free agent destinations. Now, not, it's not only because he's friendly. Obviously, he's opening that big yeah. fat wallet of his too. <laughs> but like, it's a nice touch to have both. It really is. And I so yes. I, I think the owners or other owners are telling him that because maybe it's harder to cut someone when you need to be cut or move on from a player when they need to move on from a player. I think that's what they're alluding to, but getting to know your players and, 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 and getting personal with them, I think is a good thing. So I don't know why Steve would not do that. Um, like I said, they, the Mets really have become like the premier, like whenever we mention a free agent, we're like Mets, you know, like that, that, and mm-hmm. that is not, hasn't been the case over the last or prior to Steve Cohen being there. And he's really changed no. that. And again, like the money's part of it, but also, you know, if he's being personal, with these families, bringing them in, taking them out to dinner and stuff like that, that goes a long way. It does. Well, it was interesting when I had Chris Bassett on uh, for the second time in the Rose rotation, it was when he was just starting his free agency and he wanted to make a point 
He said, I, I was treat, treated so well. My family was treated so well by the Mets. Like, that is important for me to get out there. And I don't think it was a shot at Oakland, one of his prior destinations or anything, but he just said they rolled out the red carpet for him and made them feel like family. And he said that was going to be a part of his decision, you know, if indeed he got this, the right type of offer from the Mets. Um, so I think that's important to get out there. I also think it's important to be true to your colors. Whomever you are, Steve Cohen is a big personality. And we've seen him rip the team on Twitter several times. And I actually think it get, this relationship that he has with his players allows him to have a little bit of leeway in that clubhouse where they're not like, why is this motherfucker doing this? Like, it's not easy to hit 95 with action, you know? But they also know that if a guy cares about him, then they want to do that much more. Um, the only thing I would say is this, Ploof. He has got to surround himself with the right type of people. It is not easy to say no to a billionaire, especially one as rich as him, like 16 times a billionaire over. You have to have baseball people, whether that's Billy Upler or somebody else in the front office that goes up to him and says, I know you like this guy. We got to move on. Or I know you like this guy and you think he's right for the team. Here's why he isn't. So as long as there's that relationship and Steve Cohen can back off and say, you're right, you're the baseball people I've hired or I've kept on board, I'll let you do the baseball stuff. That's the important thing here. I agree with you there. And about criticizing players, I think it's important, you know, if you have a relationship and you know that the owner is available to you to maybe have mm -hmm. a conversation after he says something about you, then that's, that's a whole different story than some guy who you never see just – spouting out stuff from the clouds. So I think you're right. It does allow him a little bit of leeway to, to criticize because he, do, he also amplifies players and, and talks them up. The one thing I found interesting about that little session he had was he kind of backed away from that three to five year statement. He's like, look, we could put a little bit, we, we can put the team in the best position possible, but then it's just kind of out there in the open. So don't back away, Steve. I want you to lean into well, it, man. Okay, but I think he understands now, having been in the yeah. in the league a few That's, years. What he said was true. How, yeah, how freaking hard it is. Like yeah. he knew that they had a great team last year, and they ended up getting beaten the third and decisive game by the Padres. Not necessarily because the Padres were better, but they were better on that day. It just shows you that in this sport, you could have monsters like Scherzer and Degrom, and still end up getting clobbered. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting there. Hey, um, even though both Ploof and I have beards, we still have to shave, okay? I still clean it up. I don't like the neck beard. I got to bring it down on my cheeks, too, because uh, if not, I look like something out of Teen Wolf. And so you got to have a razor that is handy. And that's why Harry's razors, the best in the biz. They are incredibly sharp. And most importantly, they cost as little as two bucks per blade. Mm. You know, um, have you ever gone to the store or you try and order razors online? You're like, Jesus, what the what the hell am I buying here? Am I buying the entire store? That is not the case with Harry's razors. In fact, the Truman Shave Trial sets a $15 value for just three bucks. I'm going to repeat that. You get a $15 value for $3. It includes a five-bladed German-engineered razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover as well. So it's got you all taken care of when you need to hit the road and you'll want to look pristine as well. Plus, you can schedule replacement blade delivery whenever you need them with refills as low as $2. Two, are you hearing me, people? 
So don't get overcharged for razors. Just get Harry's. Get a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash today. That is harrys.com slash today for a $3 trial set. Go out, clean yourself up, represent. Baseball season is here. Let's get a nice, clean shave. And for those of you that have beards, let's keep the rest of that face nice and smooth. That's someone special in your life. See, Rosie, I know we're going quick through today, but I want to let everyone know I already own Harry's razor and their foaming gel. So when I saw the ad read come across, I was like, this is perfect for me. Look at this beautiful face. Do you want to look like this? Yep. Self a Harry's. Yeah. Oh, Rourke. Our producer, Dan, even owns. I didn't know he had facial hair. See? <laughs> well, maybe that's because I don't he says he doesn't it. use it yet because he doesn't have enough facial hair. He's waiting for that day. See, you could get <laughs> do a preemptive strike. There you go. Um, so we just talked about the Mets. Let's talk about the Yankees. Aaron Judge met the media on Monday. The reigning MVP was asked how much winning, uh, not winning at all, wears on him year after year. Here he is. Every year that we don't you know, finish what we started, you know, it, it wears on us in different ways. And like you said, each season's a little different. If it's getting kicked out in a wild card game to a ALCS game seven to, you know, ALDS, you know, they all sting, but they sting in different ways. Okay. New York has now gone 13 years without a title. Have the Yanks lost that quote? We have to win a championship or it's a failure shine. I sure hope not, Chris. I like don't want to live in a world where Yankee fans aren't beating their chest saying 28, 28, we're going to get it. Like I want they we need to have that in baseball. The Yankees, you know, they need to be that like I guess they always call themselves the evil empire, the Death Star, which is silly to me because again, watch the movies, people. Um <laughs> I don't understand that, but I don't want them to lose that shine. I don't want them, you know, Cashman had some statements, you know, saying, you know, basically the same thing Cohen is saying, like, it's difficult. We got very close and I don't think the season's a failure just because we didn't win a world series. Well, like you, like Yankee fans have put that on uh, and not only Yankee fans, everybody in the Yankees organization has always had that feeling it's world series or bust. And I like that they do that. Like for all the shit I give them on this show, like making fun of them and stuff like that. I like that that is their mantra and, and, and for them to go back and say, you know what? We were close. You weren't really that close. The Astros, like they were way better than you last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They swept them. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, again, I'll say it one last time. I don't want to live in a world where the Yankees aren't puffing that chest out saying it's world series or bust. They it's, they're too valuable of a franchise um they have the good enough team they have the fan base that supports them like let's not have the fan base go from here to here that's not what we need in this sport i think they should continue to think world series or bust and i bet you dan our producer feels that way still and he probably feels the same way that i feel like we cannot lose that luster this is the new york yankees be the yankees the question isn't do you feel like they are in that class, though? Yeah, I think they they think that. I do. Okay, I, I do. only think there's a handful. Okay, I, to me I do, that's I, the question. I do. I do feel like they are. I feel like they are too. Um, they were the second best team in the American League, but to me there was a monumental gap between the Astros and the Yankees last year. And then I felt like there was a gap between the Yankees and whomever you wanted to call the third best team in the American League. Um, and I still feel that way. I see, you know, people will say, well, we're going to see what Verlander not being in Houston means. 
no question. They also added a former MVP in Jose Abreu and made a massive upgrade at first. And other than that, they still have a lot going for them, the Astros, in my opinion. Um, with all that being said, it is interesting that since the Yankees started winning World Series on a consistent basis in the 1920s, this 13-year drought of not appearing in the World Series is tied for the longest streak in franchise history. They went from 1982 through 95 without making it. You say, well, hold on, that's 14 seasons. Well, they didn't have an opportunity in 94 because of a little work stoppage. So I'm going to dial it back to 13. Um, that's amazing to me that they haven't made it once. Do you know how many teams have participated in the World Series league-wide, Ploofy, since the Yankees last won it all in 2009? Want to give no. a guess? No. Well, okay, you can guess. It's either it's okay. It's less than twenty nine, and it's uh, seventeen. Close, fifteen. So half the league has made it. The Yankees are in the same boat as franchises like the Reds. Oh, what? What? Well, well, hold on. What? <laughs> the Orioles? What? Am I? Oh, people are going to comment on this. <laughs> Screw you, Rose. We beat your Guardians last year in five. Shut your pile. True, but we did make it in 2016. Now, we might have lost in a tough seven-game series, but we made it. We made it. The Rangers made it twice since then. Am the I Twins have the not. Bear? The twins have not. I, I can't really sit yeah, up here and get on my soapbox <laughs> like you can, okay? So on one hand, I do agree with you that I still think they, I think there's a very small, like probably less than five fingers on one hand that feel like it's championship or bust. There's still one of them, but I had, I think it has more to deal with the past than anything else. I think it has everything to do with Garrett Cole and that, you know, top of the rotation they have there. And, you know, you have that mm -hmm. bad boy. Aaron really Judge. I mean, they have, they have like the, like some of the premier players on that roster and the ability to supplement like, this is a team that should be shooting for the World Series every single year. The payroll should be high. The expectations should be high. Garrett Cole said it himself, man. When you have that type of talent and the ability to surround that type of talent, it should be World Series or bust. Every year, I don't want to hear any other way, okay? If you're going to make people shave their beards and adhere to a dress code and all this stuff, like, you better be putting your best foot forward every single year. If we ever hear of the Yankees going into a rebuild, I'm oh, losing. I'm losing. That's it. enough. Okay. Let's move on to, uh, to me, really interesting discussion here. And it's the reason I'm wearing my Brewers cap today, for those of you that are just on the audio version. Uh, Corbin Burns lost his arbitration case last week. So he's going to play for slightly over 10 million bucks. He was looking for closer to 11. It was, I think, 10, 750. Uh, the former Cy Young winner was not pleased with what he heard. He made the trip to Florida to listen to the arbitration case. You know, when some of the things that are said that, um, you know, for instance, basically, basically put me in the forefront of, of the reason why we didn't make the postseason last year. I mean, that's something that probably doesn't need to be said. You know, we can go go about a hearing without having to do that. Um, so that's kind of one of those things that, you know, obviously, you know, they, there was no attacking of, of character, of, you know, person of who I was, but um, just the, just the, some of the stuff that was said that you know definitely didn't need to be um, said is, is, is something that you know, I think kind of disappointed everyone. Two more years of control for Burns. Does this feel like a fractured relationship? 
I think he ended up saying that it kind of felt like that a little bit in his own words. So, I mean, I'd have to take him on his word. I think the whole process you know, creates that. I don't think it's really the Brewers' fault. I don't think it's Corbin Burns' fault. I think this is just the process and how it plays out. Now, like, you have to be in the room in your arbitration case. And when I was playing with the Twins, we had a general manager named Terry Ryan, and he hated it. He never wanted to go to a, a case because he, he knew, like, what would happen. The club side has to argue that you're not worth the amount of money that you're asking for, and you have to argue that you are worth the amount of money that you're asking for. So obviously there's going to be pros from your side and cons from the other side. And hearing that, like from, you know, your family, it hurts and it hurt his feelings. And I, I'm okay with him coming out and saying that, uh, but in the end, it's just the process. So I, I think he'll be okay. It's going to sting for a little bit, but Corbin has to remember that that's just, that's just how it is. You know, I always side with players. I, you know that. I'm, I'm a player guy. But in this instance, it's just, what are you going to do? I don't want to hear that. He doesn't want to hear it. Uh, but again, it's the only way to get through arbitration without coming to an agreement. Now, you could say, well, they should have just met in the middle because what did you say? 750000 was the was the difference. You could have just said, hey, I'll give you four hundred and call it even here. That probably would have been preferable to me. And everybody in the room, but uh, you know, some clubs don't operate that way. And you know, as we get into more, I don't want to say Ivy League front offices, but more you know, number-driven you know front offices, they they just file and trial stuff like that. It happens. So the process is the problem, not really the Brewers or Corbin Burns, in my opinion. Okay, there's a saying that my daddy taught me a long time ago. Miss him dearly. But some things always stick my head. He wasn't, or certainly wasn't, but he taught me this at a very young age. He said, there's always a cost of doing business, some sort of cost. So if you're the Brewers and you play this out, and the Brewers came out and said, hey, listen, we had 11 arbitration cases. We settled 10 of them. This was the only one. That doesn't mean that Corbin Burns and his representation are wrong. It's fully their right. But this is the only one we just want people to know. This is the only one that we had to go to arbitration with. The cost of doing business for the Brewers for $750,000 is pissing off your best player. That was the cost of it. He has now come out and gone on the record to say that he's hurt and he's mad. And some people could say, well, what the fuck? Who cares, Corbin? You're still making $10 million. It's still basically a little shy of a $4 million raise this year. Go suck it up. Go play base. And he's going to. And I expect him to be great, just like he was last year. When he said that they started to kind of point fingers, he didn't say that they directly blamed him for missing the playoffs, but that they there was some intimation that that's what happened. He led the league in starts. He led the National League in strikeouts. Maybe he wasn't as good as when he won the Cy Young, but he was still damn good. So now for $750,000, this is what you've decided to create. Animosity. I feel like they're going to trade him at some point over the next two years. And I think that's too damn bad because it's hard to find guys like this. And I don't think it's all because of this. I think he's priced himself out of Milwaukee. But man, if I'm a Brewers fan today, that's like getting kicked in the balls. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he had already priced himself out of Milwaukee. I don't know if they're going to trade him this year, if they're going to wait a year um, or if they just kind of ride it out and let him hit free agency and offer him that qualifying offer. I, I don't know what the, the process is going to be like there in Milwaukee, but I, I don't see him there long-term. 
Mm-hmm. Now that you told me they settled 11 of 12 arbitration cases and this was the only one they didn't settle, 10 of 11, that makes it a little different for me. I mean, I don't know. I, it, business is business. Just like Machado said, business is business. The brewers can say the same thing. This is how they operate their know, business. But- and Corbin, you're going to have to kind of deal with it. And he will. He'll be fine. It's going to sting for a few mm. days. And he's going to say, you know, this is, I don't like the way I was talked to. But in the end, he's going to go into the clubhouse and do his job. Absolutely. And the brewers know that. And the brewers know that too. They've got a really good organization. They've got great ownership. Like, but they, and they have come out, the Antanasios have come out and said, listen, we have to operate a little differently than some clubs. We do. They weren't crying poor, but they were saying it. We're not Stephen Cohen. And so there are certain decisions. And, it, but to me, that can't be the, the default answers the... for, that can't be the default answer for owners, though. Like, we're not Steve Cohen. Yeah. Like, we, let's stop that. Let's stop that right now. I know, right? but okay. Okay. But what? But let's be fair, too. When you line up all 30 owners, just because they all have the same baseball occupation does not mean they're all the same, right? It's like when you line up the 26 players that are going to play on opening day, just because they're all baseball players doesn't mean they're all the same. They're just not. And so, right, it sounds ridiculous when you use that as the default. But when you draw the line in the sand at your best player, man, that's tough. That's tough. All right, we got to move on time-wise. Uh, Anthony Rendon said his goal for this season in Anaheim is not not to have surgery for a third time in as many seasons. Uh, says talks of his career being in the tank, quote, pisses me off. What, in your opinion, is a successful season for the former world champion and all-star third baseman? I'm going to go with the – let me see if I can do the math right here. The – 130 season, 130 games played, 30 doubles, 20 homers, 80 RBIs. Add those up, that's 130. So the 130 season, to me, is what Anthony Rendon should be shooting for here. 130 games after you know doing what he's done the last two years with the wrist and the hip surgery, uh, I think is, a, is plenty of games for him. And then getting back to those numbers, I think if he produces like that, I think he's going to be put the Angels in a really good spot. Go look at that lineup, Chris. There's something to be excited about in Anaheim. I don't know if I'm just a dummy and they're doing it to me all over again, but I think they have a good chance this year. I like the Angels team, especially if you add in Rendon with that kind of production. I think we could be seeing a different type of um, race in the AL West. Are they going to catch the Astros? Probably not, uh, but it'd be sure be fun if they gave them a run for their money. And Anthony Rendon putting up that type of season is a big part of it. He has played in less than a third of the Halos games combined the last two seasons. But I'm sorry, when you sign on the dotted line for seven years and 245 mil, a participation trophy is not good enough. He has got to be the player that they signed him to. In four years, meaning his last three in Washington and his first one in Anaheim, I believe, which was the pandemic shortened season, he had an OPS over 900. Um, he's always around 65 to 70 extra base hits. He's a doubles machine and he'll, you know, he'll click you too. He's got to be that player. So I can't bring it along and say, well, maybe if he plays 128 games, that's okay. No, give me your numbers then. answer your own question. C Rose. I just told you, he's got to come back to be the player that he was those last MVP five MVP 10. That's not going to happen, bro. Yeah. Why not? Why not though? You, he the reason the only reason he hasn't been is because he hasn't been out there. He's still I, an excellent baseball player. 
I agree. He's missed a lot of baseball, though. So I think there's going to be a little bit of that. I don't want to call it a learning curve again, but he's got to get God back almighty, acclimated. To, no. it's, it's the truth, C. Rose. I can't do that, tell me, dude. Listen, do. my 130 season for Anthony Rendon, 130 games played, 30 doubles, 20 homers, 80 RBIs. That's not, is that not acceptable to you? That's not good enough? I don't think it'll be good enough for that team. Not to compete. I don't think so. All right. Uh, real quickly, I, I started digging into the TPPs. My first one I listened to just randomly was the Reds. Woo! It's going to be a rough season. You got, That was a tough 19 <laughs> minutes. So go listen to those. Plus, you've got uh, Talking Baseball again tomorrow, right? Yes. We're going over our uh, World Baseball Classic preview tomorrow. Good. Uh, speaking of which, I highly recommend everybody listening to the Rose Rotation. World Baseball yes. Classic Team USA manager Mark DeRosa was phenomenal. Not only on that, on the process, his stories are unreal. Everything from his playing days to being teammates with pools, uh, all sorts of great stuff. He's just so good. He's it's why he's excellent on television. And he was he did not disappoint on this podcast. Uh, so we will be back Thursday. Check your time, please. I don't know exactly what time we're doing it, but we'll figure it out. For the one and only Trevor Plouffe and producer Dan, I am Chris Rose. We'll see you Thursday on baseball today.